live, going, going live. So we're yes. live. We are live we and we're here for another episode of Podcasters Unleashed. I'm your host this week, Carla, from the Wonder and Wellbeing podcast. I'm joined by Simon from Africa Investor Stories, Howler over at Women With Stories, and Victor coming to us from Nigeria at the Diaspora Entrepreneurs podcast. How are you guys doing, Simon? How was your week? My week's okay. I can't complain. Just getting on with things, making uh, things happen. Thank you. And Howler, what's going on in the world of women with stories? It's going actually well and people are tuning in, so I'm very grateful for that. Okay, and Victor, how are you doing over there in Nigeria? Yeah, thank you, Carla. I'm doing great. And um, what we're going to discuss today relates to its reality right now. So, yeah, I'm doing well. Yeah, and we're going to get into one of our interesting discussions this week. One thing we love to do is chat. We love to have debates. That's why we're podcasters, people. We love to talk and we talk about all sorts of stuff. And that's why we do this so that we can bring some of our conversations out there to you guys and get you involved. So this week we're talking about the movie, The Social Dilemma. And we had a big discussion in our podcast group about this a couple of weeks ago when it first went on to Netflix. And that's why we decided to bring it on air and have a live discussion talking about all the things that we were discussing and more. So in true podcaster fashion, we're here with real stories, real talk and lots of conversation. So jump in and join the discussion. And first, I want to chat with Victor about what were your first um, thoughts when you saw um, the movie, The Social Dilemma, Victor? Yeah, my first. Yeah, thank you, Carla. Um, thank you very much. My first thought was, I was thinking we were going to be talking about the, the whole movie was about vaccines and social distancing, but it just flipped to actually social engagement using social media as a tool, which is way, way, way different. So, um, I've been I've been taught as a digital marketer or as a student of digital marketing. My main, my, my main thought about social media or my perspective about social media was that it was a tool to use, whereas the movie completely changed the whole narrative for me. So I'm watching the movie now. I see why, I see why there are some polarizing views with me and people in the diaspora and um, being in the continent of Africa right now, Lagos, um, in the Niger Delta right now, I see why people mix up so much stuff because it's not what I'm seeing when I was in London. That is what is feeding me right now when I go to YouTube or on Facebook. I see something completely different. So that is why I said I am living the reality right now because it's the complete opposite of what I see in the West. Okay. And Howler, what were your um, first thoughts when you, when you, because I, I thought that was interesting what Victor said about, he thought that the whole social dilemma was going to be about vaccines because that's more of like a current topic. And, and he was surprised to find out that it was about social media. What about you? Did you have similar thoughts or experiences or different? I know that it will, it will, it won't be about vaccine because it will be a show on Netflix. And if it was about vaccine or something else, they will burn everything from, from the platform. But uh, they have brought interesting idea about how our brain are being manipulated and rewired to uh, base decisions 
and to uh, also have different behaviors. And it's very interesting how you can see that algorithms are manipulating us actually. And they are trying to enforce us to do some different behaviors that we won't expect that we are doing it. So that's what the interesting part of the, of the movie. And what is interesting also, people worked in the different social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and they were speaking about their experience. And that's what was very powerful from the movie, actually. Yeah, that's true. And and actually, I was with you, Victor. When I first saw the title, I thought it was going to be about something to do with the vaccines. But now when I listen to what Howler's saying, I, it makes sense. I don't think that there would be, well, we don't know. There may well be a documentary in a few weeks about the vaccines. We, we just don't know, do we? But um, I thought that it was going to be something to do with that as well. Um, and I was tying in the whole word social to the social distancing. That was just on the top of my head. But I didn't actually go to Netflix and have a look at it until we started talking about it as a group. So, yeah, I think that the title was uh, initially, I wasn't really sure what I was going to be um, looking at. What about you, Simon? What were your initial thoughts? Um, I'm, I've heard this whole dilemma before about addiction when it comes to social media and the fact that they kind of, we're more addictive than pigeons um, on, when it comes to these things because it's funny how the... Um, with slot machines, for instance, and gambling, they gauge how often somebody will return to a device by the, by tempting a pigeon with a seed. And the more the pigeon doesn't get the seed, it's going to get to a point where he just said, I forget it, and they walk off. And then they give him the seed, and they start the whole process again. Um, so it was interesting seeing the science behind it and um, why they've developed it. Whether it's a, something that's really wrong or we should just get our personal self together and know how to handle it because business is business. That's obviously going to be something we're going to debate later on. But it was an, it's an interesting um, topic and, you know, there's different kind of people share their point of view, but I'm sure we're going to get into that as we go along. Yeah, so once you knew what it was about, um, what, did it meet your expectations, Simon? Did you... Did you get what you wanted to get out of it or was there something that you thought was missing and and if so what my to be honest i watched it up into a point because like americans do they really push an agenda when they do a show um i i don't necessarily agree that they wouldn't have done a show about vaccinations like it was mentioned earlier i think netflix are more out there if you see what I mean, but I wasn't expecting it to be about vaccinations. I knew it was going to be about the social media. I just looked at it. Okay, they've raised a good point. How am I going to deal with that regarding myself and my loved ones? And I just put it down to self-discipline and educating the younger ones that they're going to have along that. So they, they raised some really good points and really good facts about what, how it works. Um, but I'm sure by the time that video is out for a week, they've probably changed the algorithms and what they do and how they do things anyway. Um, you know, as we all know, YouTube and social media does. So that that would have been uh, my take on that. Yeah. What do you think the agenda um, was? Because 
uh, when you just mentioned there about there being, you know, an agenda, what do you think it was? Because I, I found it quite strange, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I just want to hear what you've got to say about when what you okay. mean by the agenda behind uh, it. Right. The agenda was to say, like, for instance, if we take Facebook, they were saying Facebook has designed a piece of software and Amazon where it really delves into your life and it tries to keep you hooked on using their service. But that's just like tobacco, it's like alcohol, it's like any clothes, any product, they're going to try and keep you using their service as much as, prob as much as problem. Now, they've worked out the Doberman hits affect us, and um, some people are weaker than others, and it takes up much of your life. It's like as a podcaster, you're meant to advertise on social media, but you're not meant to um, be let social media overwhelm you and be reading other people's stuff unless it's directly to do with what you're trying to do, the message you're trying to give out. And um, as we all know, if you try and take a phone from a teenager, they will lose themselves. And I think it mainly focused on teenagers to say, you've got to be aware because the young people are getting depressed and there's bullying and all of that kind of saga and all of, you know, just, just people losing themselves. They're not communicating, they're communicating via text and WhatsApp, and there's no actual real dialect, social, because as, as human beings, we're social creatures, there's nothing like that, which is sad, but that's down to the individual. How strong are you, your kind of personality? Would you rather text your friends from around the world or from down the street, or would you rather go to the pub, go to the gym with them, or do some social activity? Um, that's what I looked at it. So I just said, well, I know what I'm doing. I'm glad I watched the show. It's very informative, but I'm not going to let Instagram, Facebook hit me like that. But I will say this. They were complaining about Amazon reminding you of stuff and putting things in your face. And it is a bit cheeky, but at the same time, it's great because I forget what I'm meant to buy and Amazon remind me. So, you know. And it's just me for my self self-discipline to say, I don't want to spend that money. Do you see what I mean? No yeah. matter how much they remind me, I'll just say, no, I don't want to spend it. And that was my that was my overall tweak in it. Self-discipline and um business is business, really. And warn the kids, explain to the kids what's happened to them, what's gonna happen. Mm. Howler, yeah. what did you think? Did it meet your expectations? Or did you get something different from it than you thought you would at the beginning? Um, actually, they have shared uh, their thoughts about legitimate and illegitimate informations and how we are perceiving informations from social media, especially for teenagers. But I think they didn't went deep on the fact uh, checkers and how they are misleading informations. So this kind of topics, they did not go there. I think they were a little bit afraid to say their uh, individual opinion. They did have said uh, interesting ideas about teenagers and how social media affected them. And that was a really strong point from the movie. But I would love to see more about their individual op opinion and how they also uh, treat their kids also with this misleading information and how uh, in their daily life, how they can control this kind of informations that come in, pumping around, coming around us and how we can control that. I think 
the the movie i think a lot of things were missing from from the movie but i think they covered an interesting part about how um algorithm make us more uh, addicted and uh, we are paying more attention to things that we don't really want to have in our lives yeah i think so it definitely brought that out for me as well but what it made me think about and it's not the first time i thought that it made me think about what were the areas of our lives this has been going on in and for mm -hmm. how many years i think the newspapers used to do this before i think social media yeah. has just made it much more blatant i don't know let's see what victor's thoughts were and whether or not he it met his expectations or he got any surprises from it yeah, i got i got really surprised when i watched the movie because most of the times when i go on social media and i go on facebook youtube i always ask myself when i get debates or um, start having conversations with uh, with my friends families from nigeria and i'm like don't you know that this is going on they're like no we don't know this is going on so that is where uh, in the in the social dilemma movie i think it went second base for me when we passed the half an hour mark or so when they start talking about uh machine learning ais that the, the what you see on social media is particular to your to your psychoanalysis or or how they've how they have psychoanalyzed you in the past because they know so much about us i was thinking social media was a tool that we are now we are the product so if if we if if our attention is the product now I just realized that what I have been doing on a on a personal level or on a professional level for some time now, as um, to start creating stuff instead of consuming stuff, that kind of flips it for me. I say, okay, if I go on this side, I might not get what these guys are actually. So now I'm in control of um, of the content that I put out instead of consuming so much content. And this brought back to me. Um, what I did about two, three weeks ago when I was in London about um, my notification. So I went one, seven days. I turned off my notification for seven days. And after the second day, I didn't feel a thing. So I think what Simon said, I kind of agree with that with, um, with the self-discipline thing, with the self-discipline thing. But not we all, not everyone can actually like um, discipline themselves. To that level that can you know well let me just turn off your notification for a day because when you turn off your notification it kind of like gives you so much power but on the contract from let me not go too far to that what i see when i was in london is different from what i'm seeing right now that i'm in africa okay so what's the difference what what's the difference in in africa compared to london okay so now what i see when i was in africa is that every time i start to like want to like find out stuff about um, about products and services from nigeria or different parts of africa i can't really find them i can't really find them even on youtube i can't really find them but now when i'm here they are just popping out the adverts are so the adverts are so targeted to me and you know when i when I click on the why am I, you know, on Facebook, when you see an advert, there's this ellipsis on the side or something that says, 
why am I seeing this? It tells you you are seeing this because of A, B, C, D, because of your interests, because of your um, your behaviors. So I now saw that it is because of my um, ethnicity that is why I am seeing this kind of stuff. So it is quite different from what I've been seeing in London. Okay, so the, just the ads are just targeted to you specifically, which I think we all picked that up. I picked that up a few years ago when I was booking flights and I first saw um, that it was picking up, you know, and it was popping up on all my different devices. I didn't really know that that's how much tracking was going on. But yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying there. And um, we've got a couple of questions um, coming up from people who are listening in. And just one of the things that I thought was weird, and this is also going to answer Nelson's question, what exactly is the movie about? Because that's what I was saying to myself when I put it on. <laughs> I got the idea that it was about social media after I realized it wasn't about vaccinations. I put it on and then I was like, this is a bit weird because it was people from the actual industry and it was almost like they were doing a tell, tell it all about what they'd been doing over the years. And I was like, why would they do that? And basically, Netflix describes it as a docudrama hybrid that explores the dangerous human impact of social networking with tech experts sounding the alarm on their own creations. And that was what I just thought was odd. I was like, well, I'm a person who always kind of questions. I think that's the teacher in me. It's like, well, who made this and what are they trying to say? Kind of questions come in my head. And, and I was like, well, why would people from the tech industry make a movie telling us all about the dangers of technology what would be the benefit in that what's their agenda um and that really stuck out for me so in answer to nelson's question that's what it is nelson um but i just thought that it was done in a very strange way it had this creepy music as well in the background i don't know if anyone else noticed that it was like you know what it reminded me of one of those um you know those crime um where they show you a true crime but then they do sections of it that are dramatized because it had that, didn't it? It had like this acting that was going on and then it had these interviews and it was kind of stitched together with like this strange background music. I just thought it was a really strange way to frame the documentary and I'm still not sure what the agenda behind it was and why people from the tech industry would get together to make a documentary that basically was dragging social media. <laughs> you know, just, I don't know. What did you guys notice anything about the way it was made? And did you question why have they done that? Why? or you know what were your thoughts on the style of it and how it was made and um the different elements that made up the documentary i thought these people it just is they just had a conscience i think it was a it was a case that they felt that this was a danger and unless they're all disgruntled staff yeah <laughs> which i think is a bit <laughs> unlikely they're just saying, listen, there's a danger here. It's like um, being a whistleblower. Um, what's that guy with the white hair, excuse me? Um, Snowden. Yeah, basically, it's, yeah, Snowden, thank you. It's just like whistleblowing, really. They're just saying, listen, this is to be concerned. And it's not like they was at the end of their career. They were still relatively young. Uh, I know in the tech industry, you know, you do have a lifespan of five to maybe 10 years. And then some new young generation that comes in who's more innovative and et cetera, et cetera, and knows what the up-and-coming generations want. But I think it was about their concerns um, in that regards. And uh, 
I understand why, why they said what they said, and um, things like that. Yeah, that's a good point there as well, Simon. Thank you for that. And um, we've got also a question from Matilda saying, how can you stop the effect of social media on our generation? And can we stop it? What do you think, um, Howler? How can we stop it and can we even? Actually, uh, I think that if, if, if parents, they have like children that are addicted to social media, it's very, very hard to get them you know away from the social media and i think if the parents are not addicted to their phones i think also the children can um also do the same i think it's i think it's a little bit um uh, the um the future generation uh, are trying to copy also uh the the old generation a little bit so they are trying also to do the same habits so I think if we are, as people, if you are like addicted to it, I think the older ones, they will do the same because they think it's the cool thing to do. And they will also uh, do the same habits that we do. So with social media and with phones and, and it's sad to see like children with uh, age of 12, 10 years old, having their own phone mobile and trying to, you know, to be on social media. Um, Matilda's well, asked a question. Yeah, go ahead, Simon. Matilda's asked this question, what are your thoughts on how millennials are seeing things? I personally think millennials are weak. So they're always playing the victim card. Oh, this is unfair. Blah, 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 blah. But text, 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 text. Oh, no, it's terrible. Oh, no, I need help. Oh, no, he's bullying me. I can't put the phone down and just turn it off. But no, help, help. Yeah, nah, just turn it off if you've got a problem with man up. No, that's Simon. my opinion when it comes to millennials. Yes, you were not born with oh, this right, technology. Look, 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 look. Oh, oh, victim, victim, victim. Yeah, this is how our group gets, isn't it? This is how we get, we get yeah. really <laughs> passionate no. about these topics. Do you know what, no, Simon? That... I have to agree. Listen, as a parent of i don't know what millennials are by the way what is a millennial <laughs> it's it's somebody it born it's um with, i'd have to google let me google when there's an official born? age there's right a, okay so i know age. that they're within uh, a certain age group yeah, yeah so give me, give me five minutes right well i'm a parent of, tw of 23 and 21 year olds right and i know that they were born in the generation where social media and all of this was a normal part of their life. Now, you and I weren't, without giving away our ages, we didn't have mobile phones in our lives until we were in our te late teens mm -hmm. at least. And I remember, I still remember pager being the only access that someone had to get hold of you um, unless they called the house. And the house was usually your parents' phone and you had to have permission to take a call and receive a call at the house. Well, I did in my house anyway, <laughs> you know. So if you were what, lucky enough to have a pager, then someone could page you and you could run to the phone box and you could ring them back or you could ring them back from your parents' phone. Mm -hmm. We weren't accessible all the time and we didn't have any social media. And so for us, it's normal for us to communicate face-to-face. -face. It's normal for us even to date face-to-face, -face, but a lot of these young people now, 25 and those kind of ages downwards, that is not normal for them at all. Facebook is normal for them. 
They've mm. always had more friends on Facebook than they've had in real life, which is mm. very different from our generation. So I don't think it's as easy as just telling them to turn it off. From what I've seen as a parent and also as a teacher, I think that they're born with it. And even my son, who's younger, he's nine. He was literally exposed to technology from a young age because, again, we had it. We were using laptops. We were using um mobile phones you know we communicate every day with people in a way that our parents didn't so i think that there's a difference definitely between addiction um and relying on it or maybe using it as a crutch i think that there's a fine line as well you know between all the different areas so so millennials are 25 to 35 years of uh, old yeah it's 19, 1981 to 1996 okay uh, we weren't uh, when she was born yeah. I was born ninety-two, uh, 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 so I'm millennial. But in the middle school, yeah, but in the middle school there was no Facebook yet. It was in the high school start Facebook started. And yeah. I yeah, and you can sure. see that even the middle school we had uh, we had this uh, liberation to talk to people, to go out and to play and to go in nature. It's not the same thing now for people in the in the middle school and primary school. They are um, uh, experiencing the social media at this age, which is very dangerous for uh, teenagers and underage uh, children. Uh, I would just want to bring a point because it shocked me yesterday. I saw a documentary about prostitution for children in France. And for the past uh, la uh, three years, the last three years, um, the prostitution has increased um, from uh, between 6,000 to 10,000 children now are being uh, sexually abused through social media and prostitution in France, which is very dangerous and very insane. And just through the social media, you can see the dangerous part that, that, that pedophiles and, and and a lot of people now they 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 just steal identity and trying to to get with these uh, young children and it's very 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 uh, dangerous things and also in the in the in the French law there is not any uh, uh, law enforcement that can protect these children nothing can you know there is nothing they need to enforce the law about this kind of things for social media and when oh, they see this kind of things. Yeah, just to finish, when they see this kind of things, uh, they can't protect protect the kids. They see it was the kids' uh, choice to do this thing, but it was not. They are victims. So, you know, it's a very dangerous, yeah. There's something called parents. Yeah. Parents have the ability to take away mobile I phones. See, I want to see Carla's point of view. No, I'm just telling you. See, you're you're this is your typical millennial. Oh, they're victims, and they, 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 they. let me tell you something. If you got something hurting you, if your hand's getting burnt, you take your hand out of fire. Simply. Yeah, I definitely think that parents yeah. do have a role to play in it. Um, yeah, I think you're right there. You don't leave your kids on the phone all the time. Sometimes you just take the phone away from the kid, and the kid goes, So, no, just you'll find something else to do. You've been on there too much. Yeah, I think that's important. And it's but also I think that even what you're saying, Howler, as well, is that 
that stuff has always existed in society as well. I remember when I was growing up and you've always had paedophiles, but they've always had different ways of reaching young people. Um, and I think that the internet has given them a certain level of accessibility and a certain yeah. level of anonymity that they didn't have before. And that's why I guess parents, I think in any generation, parents always need support um, to keep up with whatever's going on. When we were kids, there was a thing called pirate radio. I am showing my age now. <laughs> pirate radio. And we used to tune into pirate radio and we used to listen to music that our parents didn't really want us to listen to. It was garage back then. And my dad, he hated garage music because it was just like, it was a lifestyle as well. Garage and drum and bass and all that was a lifestyle. And they knew that there was a kind of rebellion that came along with it. And they, and they were really strict. My dad was strict and he would police it. And if he knew that I was on pirate radio, he'd come in and he, and like Simon said, he'd just plug it out and just tell us you know we're not listening to it so there's always been that kind of gap between kids and their parents you know and I know there was the the swinging 60s and all of that where there was rebellion and you know the whole flower power generation and free love and all that it was the same back then I don't think it's any different and parents have to be vigilant in any generation um, as do teachers and social workers and people grandparents and people who work in the community so I think that we all have a role to play when it comes to protecting kids but I love one of the things I think that we underestimate is is how switched on millennials are. I know millennials get a lot of stick, but actually I think millennials are the bridge between the older people. I don't know what they call us and <laughs> what the name is that they give us, but, but the millennials are right in between us who lived in a world without social media and without mobile phones and constant accessibility and the children who are growing up now. So those that are under 20 and you know under 16 and the vulnerable people in society, in order to reach them, we have to listen to millennials because you guys are the ones who are kind of there in the middle and you're that bridge and you get to understand both sides because you had a childhood free of that, but also mm -hmm. it kind of started to emerge as you were coming out of your teens. I like this comment as well from Anders. Anders says, the children now love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect, disrespect for elders and love chatter in places of exercise. Children are now tyrants not the servants of their households. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents, chatter before company, gobble up dainties at the table. This is this sounds like exactly what our parents would have said about us. I don't think yeah. it ever changes. I remember our parents saying that we were disrespectful, you know, because we didn't um, adhere to the traditions of that generation. Simon, did you ever get any comments like that? Um, yeah, but I I was partly ways after I was obviously in children's homes and stuff. But when I came to live with my gran, um, who's my birth father's parents, she's old school Jamaican, so it was cleaning every day. You know, go to the shop if she called you, do the errands. You just did what you were told. There's no two ways about it, and it's also you go church every day. She's just that was it. Every day you find yourself in church after school, Saturday, Sunday, for some reason or other. And there's no, I don't want to, there's no this, there's no that. You just did what you're told. Yeah, things like that, you see. <laughs> it's black or white. But it is, though. It is, because you're, think about this. You're a child. You're going to be a child for... I don't know, let's say 17, 20, 17, 20 years. Then you're a young adult up to 25. 
because the decision-making part of your brain doesn't fully develop until the age of 25. So everybody under 25 is a bloody idiot to be in certain things when it comes to making sensible decisions. That's when life really starts. You start looking at yourself and thinking, oh, I should have done this or I shouldn't do that. I need to get myself together a bit. Some people, remember, we're talking averages, yeah? So you're going to be an adult from 25 until then. So that's more important, getting somebody right, ready for life as an adult. And this is what I don't understand with millennials when they say, oh, my childhood was this. It's like Michael Jackson. He bitched about getting beaten, but you're a multimillionaire. What's the problem? If you didn't get beaten, you wouldn't be where you are now because dad made you sing and dance. You know, if my dad beat me and I was going to be a multimillionaire at the end, I'd say, beat away, dad. <laughs> I'd have been like that. There's no problem. But, you know, different people, different things. Yes. Agreeing about that. <laughs> well, no, you know, I've got some different comments to say on that, but that's for another episode. But basically, I think what we get from that is that nothing really changes from generation to generation, because that comment that we had there from Anders, he was quoting Socrates. And Socrates, that's, that's ancient, ancient history. And he was talking about the children in his time. And if you read that description, that sounds like exactly what people say of young people today. So nothing's really changed. Social media may be new, but human nature isn't really new, is it? And the way that we parent and the way that we monitor what goes on in society um, really hasn't changed that much. It just appears to have changed. So mm -hmm. we're getting close to the end, guys. So any final comments? Nelson says the old school Jamaican um parenting i guess he's talking about their producers um colin uh, the general colin l powell yeah <laughs> yeah i think that some of the old school discipline um it worked and i think some of it didn't work and uh, we'll leave it at that <laughs> but, uh, but I, i'm interested to hear why well, i don't know how oh, yeah, we're over our time but yeah, we'll continue on that subject later. Another yeah. yeah. So any final comments on the social dilemma and the whole topic around social media um, howler? Uh, well, just final thing. I think we should question everything that's coming to us as information. We should do the critical thinking before going to the fact checkers or other social media. We should also have our own views, our opinion and our own you know, our own views about what's happening and do the critical thinking before, you know, being uh, addicted to others' opinions. So, yeah, this is my final. Yeah, we have to take everything with a pinch of salt, don't we? And mm. we always have to remember that not everyone's going to agree with us. And there's this disagreeing there with Nelson and saying that Colin Powell is not a good example. And, you know, there yeah. it is. That's a perfect example there, you know. Um, and Nelson saying, can millennials do critical thinking? I think they can but they need guidance. Um, and that's where the whole village comes in, the village that it takes to raise a child. We still have to have that village now. So that's my final thought. And Simon, what's your final thought? My thoughts, especially these comments coming in, the debates raising. Um, um, my, 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 <laughs> my thoughts are, if it's a good show to watch because it's very informative. Um, it will bring to things like that you didn't know about social media, which is very important for people to know. Um, personally, like I said before, everybody just needs to get a grip um, and be responsible for their own actions, which is how it used to be, Carla. Paula, sorry. 
<laughs> and um, yeah, that's about it. The young people, their parents should warn them, guide them, teach them, and then you get a perfect world in that respect when it comes to social media. Because, you know, it, I see Amazon is like your mum saying, don't forget to buy this, or the wife's going, don't forget to buy that. It's the same thing. Yeah, and that's that's about it really for me. Okay, so thank you, Simon. Thank you, Howler. And thank that's you, Carla. For our episode this week of Podcasters Unleashed, another action-packed discussion from our group, True to Form, as always. And we'll see you all next week, same time, same place for another episode. Thank okay. you, guys. Love you so much. Bye.